Dude, we need a theme song as we roll in. Maybe <laughs> next week when we can debut that, some sort of we theme song sing, coming we in. We can harmonize. North yeah. and goal. <laughs> I don't know. I was thinking more like all by myself. <laughs> Just you know, we're depressed, man. Yeah. How about ten theme songs to reflect the the mood? And there will be some weeks when it's going to be like like some weird kind of fusion. You know, you've got anger with like euphoria at the same time, and, and it'll be something beautiful. It will be. Yeah, it'll be like a uh, a rave. <laughs> something i don't know man <laughs> a rave i love it do you know what else i love about a rave what i'm gonna i'm gonna talk as though i've participated in one but i have not okay but i know enough about them that i i would imagine you have this huge crowd of people you know imagine i don't know what's the what's the biggest rave what how many people do you think would be at a rave at one Ten time? Ten thousand ravers Ten thousand. i like it you've got ten thousand people now, with like probably eighty percent of them high on something, the the twenty percent of those that aren't high doesn't matter. Everybody's high, you know. Eighty percent made the decision for everybody. <laughs> so you've got ten thousand people feeling good feelings. You've got a world class DJ or a crappy DJ. It doesn't matter. You've got a DJ up there that's just just getting those beats out there yeah, over man. and over and over. And you've just everybody's happy. And here's the thing about a rave. Again, I've never been to one. You can't lose a rave. You really can't. You leave happy. You leave yeah. either high or just energetic. It doesn't matter. There's no losing. Have you ever have you ever gone to a concert of any sort, any musical experience and left feeling like you lost? Yeah, you know what? Actually I have my <laughs> I went to a, a a country a country concert, a Tracy Lawrence and some other <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Some that, other rednecks. Okay, I agree. And it was out at USANA Amphitheater, like and it was like a hundred and freaking forty degrees. It felt like, and it was like in the middle of the day, and we were yeah. sitting on the grass. I was like, "This sucks." So yeah, I pretty much felt like we lost that. <laughs> okay. Well, that that kind of destroys where I was going with this. I was just thinking. So for for my, uh, I've got two personas online. Most of you know my Twitter persona, which uh, I I like sports and I like being funny. And and to me, the funniest jokes, my jokes that I appreciate about me are never what people appreciate about me because to me, the best joke is one that like nobody gets or maybe one or two people. And if everyone else is confused, I think yeah, that was a good joke because yeah. only the three of us got it and we can enjoy it together. Usually, so, it's, usually your jokes are play a play on words of some sort. You've got to yeah. crack a code, and then you're like, "Dang it, that's pretty good, man. That's pretty clever." But yeah, it's a little reward. So <laughs> I, when people hate me, I just feel like they don't get me, and and I can live with that, you know, and that's fine. Uh, but so that's my that's my Twitter, and that's what people listening to this podcast know. My my alter ego that I'm actually better known by is on Instagram, and I just take pictures of pretty things. And, and you can't really get too fired up and charged and opinionated there because my Instagram audience is worldwide. And there's, I think, only about 20% of my followers are actually in the United States of America. Wow. So when it comes to sharing experiences like football with them, it's more, you know, I can't, I got to step it way, way back. And, and so while I was in Husky Stadium... I kind of switched gears. I went into that stadium, the Instagram, Alaskutan. No, no, not the Instagram, the uh, Twitter person. And I was like, all right, we're going to we're gonna analyze this game. We're going to get fired up. We're going to be passionate. We're going to yell. We're going to maybe say something funny here or there. But that was who I went in as. And then the game got out of control fast. And so I, I switched gears, and I started feeling more and more like my uh, my Instagram person saying, you know, 
people that live in like Africa and just know me from my pictures of trees and bears and things like that, they might think this is kind of cool. So I started taking video and pictures of just the crowd going wild. And that was so hard for me to do because the crowd was going nuts because they had so much to cheer for because the Huskies rolled over the Cougars. And I took so much footage of that that I was like, oh, this will be a cool story. People like this. Have I just detached myself? And I just couldn't share it. It kills me. It killed Dude. me to share it. Well, uh, I mean, I, I have the the uh, the the um, what's the word I'm looking for? I have the I have the uh, benefit of following both of your Twitter personas. <laughs> yes, and you know you have your sarcasm, your deep jokes on Twitter, but then your serene, glassy pictures of lakes in Alaska. It's like, <laughs> man, this guy's got everything covered. How many followers do you have for your Instagram? It's thousands on thousands, right? I- yeah, I think I'll probably close in on thirty thousand by the uh, by the end of the year. Whoa, Actually, here's legendary. This is an interesting. Bro. This is me being brag. I, it's honestly Alaska does the heavy lifting. Lifting. I just take pictures of it. I live in a beautiful place, so it's kind of easy to share pretty pictures when you live in a pretty place. But uh, but it's kind of a fun thing uh, for me to do. And here's what I was thinking about this week because this is this will jump into some good rivalry smack with our little brother Utah State. You've got. University of Utah football Instagram account. I, th- I think I checked uh, a week or two ago, and there's something like 80,000 followers. I mean, that's a pretty good active college football account for a university of that size. And then you got BYU that I think is around 60. You know, it's a uh, it's not quite there. But then if Boom, you take scoreboard. into consideration, yes, yeah, scoreboard. Well, but that's the thing though is you can you can say well during these social media years, Utah's been making hay, and, and BYU has not they've been you know coming off a really down year so yeah you kind of get okay they're, they're going to be a little bit less enthusiastic third place would be me at, at twenty seven thousand followers utah state football has something like ten thousand followers oh. and i saw that i was like whoa i'm like in between byu and utah state Dude, as you a person, are like so. that means you're like a lower level um you're like a pack <laughs> like like a oregon state dude lower level pack yeah 12 team I, I, dude i feel like I, I should go find i'll go find the football team that has the similar follower number and just that's me that's my identity that's cute of but utah yeah. state though so do they tweet pictures <laughs> of barns and things like that here's a barn and <laughs> yeah i can't remember how i think i had to go look for them county but, yeah, fairs I mean, the same pictures thing. of the county fair. graphics and yeah <laughs> Good for those Love Utah State. So here's the here's another thing, man. I'm just dominating this show. Let's talk about Utah for a minute because I got more thoughts on Utah State, but we'll get to them. Are, are, we, are we talking about Utah? No, or are we going to talk more about raves. About, let's just talk about raves. Forget football. Football sucks, dude. I don't know why <laughs> my, you cheer for it. My point with that all is when you take and you wouldn't take your kids to a rave like I took my family to this football game. When you invest money and time and energy into a rave it's a safe there's no risk and that's part of what we love and hate about football yep. is when you buy a ticket to a football game that is gambling that is emotional gambling you're going to say i'm putting $500 down on this being the coolest experience i've had all year and it might be the worst experience you've had all year and you leave with nothing oh there's nothing worse bro when you when you invest all dude i'd go back to i mean i used to travel a lot more to games when before i had kids you know just cuz uh-huh. now with dance and karate and Soccer and all that crap. It's it's impossible almost. Anyway, so I remember leaving UNLV Stadium in 2007 down or we lost 27 nothing. We went one and three, oh, and that yeah. was like the lowest point of my sports life, and it was just devastating. I was like, I can't believe I freaking drove five hours down here for this. But you know what? Yeah. The highs they make up for it whenever they happen. So yeah, what oh, do you yeah. do? You huh? invest. You invest the time. You invest some. You sit there at the end of the game saying, "I paid money to feel like this." Yeah, that, that makes it feel even worse. 
Yeah, and it, <laughs> let's, dude, it was. Uh, well, let's recap our weekends, and we'll look forward to some positivity this upcoming weekend. But, dude, so uh, let's start with Utah since we're talking about BYU. Yeah. Oh, it's I, it's just it's so frustrating. So I don't know what you saw if you saw any of it because you were there in Seattle. <laughs> I would say so. Pre-game is BYU and Washington were warming up. They had uh, the game on the the screen, so we were able to watch. I saw uh, I think end of the second quarter, okay. so we saw a little bit of it, and then they announced the score. Uh, it was probably what midway through the second quarter for us, and I was sitting among a lot of BYU fans, and and we kind of went, you know. Went cheered. a little wild saying, yeah, all right. and that might have been the only thing we cheered for all yeah. night. Well, no, so there were three highlights. That was one of them. But, yeah, in, tell me about it. We go into the game, right, and we totally change the way we run our offense the first half. We are running the ball down their freaking throats. It's like 80%, yeah. 85% run, and it's working. Uh-huh. It's like a track meet between us and Wazoo. And it and we're both going back up and down the field. We score a touchdown. They march down the yeah. field. They score a touchdown. We march back down the field and score a touchdown. They march down, score a touchdown. And it was it was incredible because we've been talking about it all year that we just need to run the ball. And that's what the game plan was. It was Moss. It was Huntley. It was a lot of RPO. And we were we were doing what we were doing. And then freaking second half. And listen, I'm not I'm not skilled enough to point out the the uh, the adjustments that Wazoo made to stop him. I know mm-hmm. we lost our starting center to injury also, which, which helped a little oh. bit. But we kind of uh-huh. changed up a little bit what we did, and we just went back to the same old crap in the second half where we couldn't move the ball and couldn't score. And when you're playing a team like Washington State, you have to score to win, and we oh, yeah. didn't. You know, We had a one field goal in the second half, and we lost 28-24, which is – here's what's super frustrating. First half, we're both marching up and down the field. Second half, our defense was legit. We were getting yeah. sacks. We were getting stops. We were holding them. They had nothing at all. And then four yeah. minutes left, four minutes left. Uh, uh, sorry, my, my phone's falling over the place. While I'm that's, doing all right, that's all right. Four minutes left, they hit a 90-yard touchdown pass down the sideline to take the lead. And at that point, I was like, oh, gosh, it's freaking over. But it wasn't wow. at that point because uh, we we had converted two straight fourth downs. They got taken away from total BS calls. But I'm not going to blame it on the refs, but they were freaking BS calls. Um and really, we did everything we could to shoot ourselves in the foot to lose from stupid penalties to, I mean, Britton Covey had a, a, a punt return touchdown with six or seven minutes left, which put us up 10, but then they call mm-hmm. it back for a block in the back. Replay show, the dude barely even touched him, if at all. And yeah, just, I, I actually saw that replay. Yeah, dude, just just a bunch of crap, bunch, a confluence of events that just sucked. And so yeah. here's the thing, though. Most, most Ute fans are super angry right now. Yeah, you know, a lot of people are calling for Wit to be, uh, to be fired. And you know what? I'm not going to argue against them because his his conference record's not great. But I'm mm-hmm. actually pretty optimistic after this last week because yeah. I felt going in that Washington State was one of our three toughest games left on our schedule: Stanford, yeah. Washington State, and Oregon. Um, and I, I felt like we could get Stanford because of the way we match up against them. And so I thought if we can if we mm-hmm. can steal this Wazoo game, we could still have a really good year. And we didn't, but I still feel like we can finish strong. So that's that's a basic recap of the whole game. It sucked, but I'm still I'm still optimistic. Interestingly yeah. enough. Well, so what's going on with everybody else in the South? I mean, it seemed like it was wide open because nobody's stepping up. Colorado, USC, have they sort of emerged as the contenders? Well, Colorado's four and zero, and they're ranked. But you look at who they freaking played. Their their competition that they've played is one in sixteen total. Their combined okay. records. 
Uh, UCLA, they beat, hasn't won a game. Nebraska, they beat, hasn't won a game. New Hampshire, they beat, I think it's like one and whatever in the F- FCS. Yeah. So their competition, it's, it's, it's tough to get a read on them. Um, right. They could be good. You never know. They could be good, but I don't think they're as good as their record and their ranking yeah. show. Um, okay. Arizona, they're, they're still a disaster. UCLA is a, an absolute joke. Um, yeah. UCLA is maybe looks, or USC looks like maybe they're putting it together. Um, and then mm-hmm. Arizona State, they're tough to read as well. They lost to San Diego State. They lost to Washington, but gave Washington a good game. So yeah. it, it's tough to say. But I still think as long as we, I mean, we got to have USC pick up another loss somewhere because they don't. Yeah. We we still have a, a chance to win the South, but a, it's a, it's an outside chance. Best case scenario from my point of view that you see at this point is the South is still open, and therefore the whole conference is still open. You know, you you get to the game, you got a fifty fifty. You you win the game or you lose the game. However, if you if this is the year Utah gets the South or wins the conference, they're not getting in the playoff. You know, that's no, it's just uh, no, not the, until, the not resume. Yeah, the resume is not there, but technically they're still in the race. Yeah, no, no, no. The they, playoffs long gone. I mean, that was a long yeah. shot anyway. But even if they right. even if they run the table, I'm not saying they will, and I don't think they will. You know, but even if they uh-huh. did, hypothetically, they'd finish ten and two. They'd go to the Pac-12 championship game, and if they won that, they'd finish eleven and two. That still doesn't get them in. I don't think. Yeah, um, no, that's that's but, Rose Bowl. You know what? I've and, uh, I've been dying my whole life for a freaking Rose Bowl. If that yeah. were to happen, that would be the greatest consolation ever. Um, yeah, it, it would suck. Didn't you know? But I I would I wouldn't care. I would love to go that than nothing else. But. I don't. Those dude, of look us, at us talking. That's not. That's not even going to happen. But I. In, well, it. It's still technically. We always talk about a uh, hypothetical and technically this. It could. Those of us that are on Team Chaos, when you're on the outside looking in, you cheer for Chaos. In March Madness, when your bracket's busted, oh, you yeah. root for every underdog because you love Chaos. Yep. So those of us that aren't big football powerhouses, we love Team Chaos. We want Notre Dame to show up, and we want two SEC teams to show up because if you've got one spot for the other four Power Five conferences available revolution will happen and dude, and dude, dude chaos loves that that's there's a good chance that's going to happen notre dame that yeah. was their toughest game i mean they play usc still but usc uh-huh. got worked by stanford and you know teams change throughout the year so maybe they'll be better at the end but still yeah that, that's got a good shot of notre dame alabama and freaking georgia and then you're yeah. right one spot for i mean imagine ohio state got left out last year if they get left out again this oh, year yeah a brand name like Ohio State left out two years in a row. You're right. That's when change happens. Or Oklahoma, right. you know, or, or something like that. It's just, you're right. I yeah. actually, now that Utah's not going to get in it, I actually hope that happens too, man. Yeah. I, I, I would like to see that happen, yeah. Your your bracket has been busted, so it welcome has. to Team Chaos. Yes. It's, it's kind of like if you can remember way back in the Mountain West years, you, you always root for whatever G5, and they didn't always, call them G5s yeah. back then, but you always want these lower-level mid-majors to upset the big boys every time. Dude, I remember I remember when we were in the Mountain West and Arizona State was playing, uh, UNLV was playing at Arizona State, and UNLV mm. won on some like catch in the end zone, and I was going nuts, dude, because I, yeah, I was so yeah. happy UNLV beat Arizona State. Arizona State. But like as soon as the invite happened to the Pac-12, boom! All of a sudden, <laughs> I totally flipped. I'm like, oh man, we yeah. got to back the pack, man. We have to. 
It's uh well it's funny from uh from my point of view watching collectively the Utah fan base shed their identity as the uh the underdog outsiders that you know everyone deserves a chance little guys can do it to suddenly like you have no idea how it is to play a tough game week in week out and it, every <laughs> attitude that was out there from the haves everything I hated was adopted and embraced dude, I know. and everything I hated when they said that whatever dude we got TCU BYU Utah yeah, this conference yeah. is as good as any conference dude, whatever just yeah. look at you go Iowa State Rutgers, I name all the crappy P fives. Uh-huh. Now it's like, dude, oh, we got we got Stanford this week. Then we got Oregon. They got it's, just, yeah. it's, it's totally. But the thing is, it's that's you're right. But TCU is probably doing the same thing. Their fans are doing the same thing. Anyone that oh, yeah. makes that step, if BYU had got invited to the Big Twelve, it would immediately be like, yeah, oh, I see it now. Absolutely. Look at this. Look at this grind. <laughs> I, you know me. I legit looked for a sticker. I was I wanted the sticker. <laughs> I mean, I was ready. I was gung ho. Oh, that's good. Oh man. So, yeah, I, I don't need to analyze what happened to Washington, do I? Everyone that saw that, they don't need my takes. Well, on before that. we was... do that, let, you can give a, a little, you know, high level overview. Before you do that, I want to know your opinion on the setting, on the stadium that I was bragging about. Oh, that was cool. So that's the thing. That's why I was taking videos because I was like, this is seventy thousand people. It's sold out. As many BYU fans, there were a lot of BYU fans there. I was proud of the representation that we we had there that we brought with us. Uh, one funny thing, and I was talking about this on Twitter, uh, the BYU fans are going nuts for anything, you know, first quarter, there actually was a lot to cheer about. It was pretty back and forth first quarter where we felt like, yeah, we, a couple things have gone wrong, but we're still in this, you know, when you drive all the way down the field early on in the game, you don't realize that's never happening again the rest of the game. Yeah. You you believe I can do this all night and we're going to have a lot to cheer for. So BYU fans were going nuts. And this guy is so awesome. He's this big husky guy, no pun intended there, but a big guy, giant red beard. He's got his like ponytail and a knot. He's got his husky hat on. And, you know, it just looks like a guy that's been through a few bar fights yeah. like this month, you know. Uh-huh. And, and the BYU fans were going nuts all around him. And he turned around and he just put both thumbs down and was like looking at us all like, <laughs> you know, like he's yeah. in the third grade again, giving us two thumbs down. And I thought, this guy is hilarious. And then afterwards, he came up to us and he was like, hey, I just want to let everybody know this was a good game. Obviously, I wanted my team to win and they did. But you guys were a lot of fun to be around, and your team played with a lot of class. I love that they ran out with a flag from our team. And just like he started naming all these things, and I was like, yeah, this is like the nicest bar fight football <laughs> fan. It's kind of like a pirate leprechaun character with his red hair and his just, and his thumbs down was what did it. You know, you see fans all over the country now flipping the bird yeah. whenever camera's on. This guy's giving us two thumbs down. Like he's, like that is no chill, you know? Yeah, like anyone, any punk that's 18 years old could show up and flip people off and feel like he's a rebel this is a guy that's legit tough giving us the third grade thumbs down insult and i just wanted to hug him and then the guy sitting by him his best friend he's got this purple shirt that has the state outline of the state of oregon and and the only thing written on the shirt is inside that state outline of oregon it says worst state ever (laughs) like i want to go hang out with those guys that's good so did you give those guys a book of mormon I, I should have. I should have. I I gave them a look that said you should accept the Book of Mormon next time the missionaries <laughs> offer you one, and and they gave me a look that said I think I'll do that. So what about like <laughs> what about like walking up, just seeing the stadium with the lake in the background? Wasn't that cool? It's beautiful. The coolest thing too. Pre-game tailgate parties on the boats. Yeah. Imagine that. Imagine yeah. you got a big old lake and you got all these rich people with their boats, their little yachts out there. And maybe they just rented them. I don't know. They're maybe not super rich. But you got parties on boats pregame. But man, that is that is a cool setting. Uh, one drawback, though, one thing I don't envy of them, 
soon as the game was out, I mean, we had a hotel there on campus, so we just walked to the hotel. So many people were in lines for buses and for trams and for everything. I mean, yeah, because it's right up against the lake, and you just got to go out that way. Yeah. There's like not oh, there's, a lot of ways to go. Yeah, no, no parking anywhere. And so there, a lot of their fans left early because it was a blowout. And I thought, oh man, lame fans leaving early. But then I saw all these lines everywhere. I thought, yeah, I get it. This is a, it's it's beautifully situated, but inconvenient. Yeah. Um, did you did you take your son in, into the basketball arena to show him Husky 08? We did. They they didn't let us go all the way in though. They had a volleyball game later oh. on that day. They were setting up for us, so we walked around in there. One thing that's really cool. I'm going to give a shout out to Tokyo Dachi. To- Tokyo Dachi. I think that's what it's called. They gave out these stickers. I actually ordered my son one of these T-shirts preseason. Every year I get him new BYU gear, and it's this little like anime-looking cougar that's kind of angry. So that company, they're from the hat company Zephyr. They showed up, and they were giving out free swag, and I thought, this is oh, so cool. cool. This is going on the kayak. My my Instagram-famous kayak is now going to be repping Tokyo Dachi. Cool. All right, well, so any, anything else you want to recap about Washington and the game before we move on? No. Okay. okay. <laughs> I will say, yeah, I go back and say this. You'd mentioned Washington did not look like a top 10 team or, or top whatever. They did against BYU, and that doesn't necessarily mean they are, but they looked it against BYU. Browning was picking his receiver. I mean, he was hitting his guys on target all night, and he just he looked like everything he'd been billed to be, the hype and everything. Now, he didn't look that way against Utah. And, and I'll say there was a difference. A few years ago, we've, we've referenced this Michigan team several times now. Uh, Michigan's quarterback. I don't even know what was his name. He kept throwing it to Jake Butt all night that year. Uh, wasn't I can uh, remember a name like Butt. <laughs> it wasn't Wilton Spate, was it? That was the guy after. Was it? Uh, I don't remember. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't remember. remember. Michigan quarterback. I watched the entire game against Utah. He was off all night, and it, Utah's defense is good. Credit them that, but he was inaccurate with his guys that were wide open. Two weeks later, three weeks later, they play BYU, and he couldn't miss. You know, and so the difference between are you hitting an open guy or a not open guy? That's when the guy's having an off night and an on night. Uh, it didn't look that this way with Browning. Browning was on target. He could have done just as well at Utah, but Utah has a good defense. So I would say he looked night and day difference, but that doesn't mean – I'm not going to use that as a cop-out excuse. Oh, he had a bad game. Now he's having a good game. You know, Utah's defense definitely shut him down, and, and BYU's did not. We, we kind of let him throw it wherever he wanted, and uh, that was tough to watch. Kind of, kind of numbing after yeah, a while. Yeah, I mean, I had so in my basement, I've set up for college football. I have three TVs to kind of like a mini sports bar just for college football season. Um, mm-hmm. And so I had the Ute game on in the middle one, and then I had the BYU game on the other one, and then Stanford and Notre Dame on the other one. And so yeah. I was trying to catch what I could, but I was so nervous because it was second half for Utah game, and I was just, you know, it, it was hard to really focus on any of the BYU game, but I. I I don't know. They, yeah, Browning looked like the sophomore year Browning, where he was a Heisman contender, and he looked looked yeah. pretty good. So, and you know what, Chris Peterson, one of the top three, four coaches in America, he mm-hmm. was awesome at Boise. He turned Washington into a national contender every year. He's just an awesome coach. So, yeah, all respect to him. He seems like a, a classy dude, and uh, hope he doesn't stay at Washington. Hope he goes somewhere else. So, <laughs> yeah. All right, man. So uh, we got this week. We've got Utah's at Stanford, and you got the battle of the little brothers, man, <laughs> for BYU and Utah State. Just kidding. Battle of the it's like, battle of it's the. It's like you got like a nineteen-year-old and an eighteen-year-old and a seven-year-old, and the nineteen-year-old's <laughs> like, "Yeah, you two are you two are the same." <laughs> so t- let's go. Hey, let's go I'm gonna uh, point this out right now. This is the statistical smack talk. This was going around on Twitter. Someone was first pointed out. 
Utah's record against Pac-12 in the past 11, whatever, since 2011 versus BYU's, Utah's won at a rate of something like 45%, BYU somewhere in the 30s. However, when you, when you factor for Utah, when you take Utah out of the equation for BYU, and you say BYU playing the same Pac-12 teams that Utah has played, you know, not counting Utah, BYU actually has a superior record. So against the other 11 in the Pac-12, BYU has performed better than Utah has since Utah joined the Pac-12. Hold up, hold up, hold up. There's so, my there's so, my 18 year old so little brother saying <laughs> like, I'm a half inch taller than you. Like eight games versus 60 games, and none of those were like the Oregon's and the Stanford's and the USC's when they were ranked in the top 10, bro. Come on. So you're talking about the middle to the bottom half of the Pac-12 you guys are playing that you're holding this record against. You're not talking the upper echelon. There was nobody you played that was freaking top 15. We'll throw those teams in and we'll see how that goes. I feel like you're you're gerrymandering the results here. <laughs> it's, uh, likewise. So anyway, um, so let's yeah, go. Yeah, all right. Bro- we're brothers. We're all yeah. brothers. Yeah, um, and and you know I'm not gonna. Yeah, BYU is the little brother, but not that much littler. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're it's great. We're everything's great. We're all happy, right? It's everything's fine. Good. Okay, so all that in mind, I am afraid of Utah State. Dude, this is, I'm this actually. Is my, Yes. This is the nine-year-old brother against the eighteen-year-old brother, but someone gave this little kid a knife, <laughs> <laughs> and the the other brother's got his hand tied behind his back. Right, right. right. So yeah. Utah State is a dangerous team. They have a high-powered offense. It's not going to shock me to see this. Uh, it would be the first back-to-back loss against Utah State since the early seventies. Oh, dude. and I think this is if they're ever going to that was before BYU football was invented, years. even wasn't it? <laughs> That's right. But yeah, for Utah fans, it only goes back to what two thousand four. So yeah, uh, no, 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 no. It's the BYU fans in seventy two. So, <laughs> That's right. That's right. See, that's the thing. That's it's true. like, okay, can I just go on a little tangent here about that real quick? It's Please like do. BYU fans love to talk about their history, but they only love to go yeah. back 30 years. Well, the oh, freaking yeah. point is you either do the whole thing or you don't do <laughs> it at all. It's like you don't go to a movie and say, hey, how'd you like that movie? Oh, man. I tell you what, minutes 52 to one hour and 10 were incredible. <laughs> <laughs> the rest of the movie sucked. It's either the movie was good or it wasn't. You judge it as a whole. Am I right? Dude, there's, there's movies like that. Yeah, I could think of some <laughs> examples that are like that. You know, anyway. when you pop, pop in Titanic, let's just watch the boat go down. I don't care about anything else. <laughs> See, dude, it's like if we're gonna if we're gonna stop at seventy two, why stop there? Even like no one's alive then anyway. You know, here's here's it's one either, it's either, one acceptable. So I'll say you you either be consistent like you're saying all or nothing. You know, you go last ten years or you go forever, or you say in my lifetime because that okay, counts yeah, because I, can, I, can I began. That. I can't help that I didn't watch BYU before 1983 or four because I I was pooping in my diapers, you know. Yeah. And so the point where I learned football, learned the names, understood the game from then on that counts. And I feel like BYU and Utah in my lifetime are either dead even or Utah just recently uh, went ahead in that. But it's awful close. See, okay, so that's why you look at like these polls that come out where it says everyone under the age of 30, Utah has a huge fan gap, you know. Yeah. And then like. Over the age of sixty, it's like almost eighty percent BYU fans. Because I think yeah, it's, it's yeah. that type of thing, man. The people that are in their sixties now were the people that were living during those glory years right. of national rankings in the eighties and seventies and early nineties. You know, and so yeah, it's yeah. it's it is, dude. It's about perspective. It's about the what you experience as a fan, as a person. Sure, we'll go mm-hmm. we'll go our lifetimes. But anyway, that's a little tangent yeah. that went off. So <laughs> Utah State, yes, they have a really good quarterback, which yeah. sucks because we our quarterbacks. Are less than desirable. 
You just want to trade, don't you? Yeah, it's no fair. How did they freaking yeah. had Chucky Keaton several years ago, and I was I was jealous. Yeah. I'm like, ah, oh, we'll get somebody. We never have since then, and now uh-huh. they've got this guy. But you're right; their offense does look really high powered. They've got a decent defense, it, and plus, you know, and this is just as a third party, you know, Utah State wants this game more than any other game on their schedule. You know, Here's, this is this is the, I've been asked about this before. I actually attended Utah State. And uh, my brother, who attended BYU and works for BYU, and then uh, you know I've, I've got BYU people in my life. They want to know why does Utah State hate BYU so bad? Because BYU doesn't hate Utah State. And and the way I've explained it to them, and, and there's there's better people than me that have said this. Uh, Avit brother or no Lumineers lyrics. They say it's better to feel pain than nothing at all. The opposite of love is indifference. And that when you get when you're a Utah State fan and you just hate both Utah and BYU, I mean you hate them both passionately, but you're getting nothing in return. That's worse than getting hate in return because <laughs> yeah. you feel snubbed. You Sounds want like my the dating life, bro. <laughs> at least it's something. Yeah. Tell me something. Yeah. So Utah State fans do passionately hate BYU because they feel overlooked, and you know I just call them the the nine year old little boy with a knife. So you know <laughs> I'm, I'm doing it actively here. It's so fun <laughs> so, though, isn't it? I have a, I have a friend. Is. He's on Twitter, Spencer Crockett or something stupid, Alaskan Aggie. Hey, another Alaskan oh, yeah, Aggie. Yeah. Seriously, yeah, Alaskan yeah. Aggie. We should bring him in on this. The third Alaskan we on this should. podcast. We should. Anyway, if we could get always, the technology to get three people at the same time, that, that we should do that. He's always texted me about, oh, Utah State, we could beat you. There's like the last 10 years. And I always yeah. just say, oh, you're so cute. Just brush him off. And it makes him so freaking angry. But it's fun, man. It's fun because they're, they're Utah State, you know? I dated a girl who ran track for Utah State, and she hated BYU with a passion. And I grew up a BYU fan. That's the other thing. There's a lot of people on campus at Utah State who don't shed their identities as BYU fans and Utah fans. You see the other teams represented on campus, which makes those who cheer for Utah State all the more rabid and passionate. Yeah. I mean, it's happening in their backyard. Anyway, this girl, I asked her, I said, like, well, why do you, I mean, you, you run track against all these other people. It's not like you're getting into a track fight, like you're just running. I was like, what do you, why do you hate BYU more than anyone else? And she said to me, because they're so cocky. And <laughs> I had to kind of laugh because it's, it's sports, it's athletics. Like, and I get like the right thing to do as a human is be gracious and be humble. But when your your athletic scholarship is to run faster than someone else, you can be cocky about running faster than someone else, right? It is. And it's, it's funny because we're getting off on this life tangent again. But it's funny because I see it as a microcosm in my life. I've picked up pickleball lately. And have you ever uh-huh. played pickleball? No, no, Dude, it it's looks freaking awesome, though. so fun, bro. I, I played tennis growing up. All growing up, I played tennis. My brothers and I had a ping pong table. And so I played both tennis and ping pong. And it's based like p- tennis yeah. and ping pong had a baby. And so if you've okay. played the, both those sports, you can pick it up really well. So I'm yeah. really, really good at pickleball for just no, just because I played the other yeah. sports, right? And so I'm uh-huh. playing my bishop. I'm playing guys in my ward. And I'm just destroying them. And I'm talking so much smack because <laughs> it's just freaking pickleball. But the, conversely, <laughs> I find. I I had, I had seriously won like 75 straight games against all these people yeah. I played and I finally yeah. lost a couple weeks ago to a guy in my ward and a freaking 15-year-old was his partner, right? Uh-huh. Uh, a teacher in the ward and I was so angry about it and I was I broke one paddle, another paddle ended up in the tree because I was just it's 
I was just so angry about it. But it's, I mean, <laughs> but you know, conversely, like yeah. I, I'll smash. I'm like, dude, don't come in this kitchen, man, because there's a little place called the kitchen in pickleball. I'm like, dude, I'm cooking in this kitchen. Don't come in here, you know. But it's just sports, uh-huh. right? But yeah. Anyway, so sorry to get off on that tangent. Back to Utah <laughs> State awesome. BYU. <laughs> We can we can get all uh, we can go full on pickleball. No, remind me too before I gotta I gotta spend a little bit of time on uh, Alaskan high school football at the end. We okay. we can go back to our. You just reminded me though. We can't forget that. Okay, we'll go back to that. So let's go back to BYU because we got to keep this okay. a little sportsy. I mean, this is turning into a life memories. Podcast. This has been this has been more tangents than any episode we've done before, which I think means this is our best episode yet. It also, we're it also in yeah. and I'm going to declare it the best. It episode also means we did. both came off of heartbreaking losses. That's why we're trying to <laughs> yeah. avoid talking about there's, football. There's no <laughs> fondly reminiscing about third quarter plays. No. Yeah. Um, so Utah State, uh, you are you're worried yeah. about their offense. I am. The stat that I just saw was Utah State has not scored less than 31 points all season, and BYU has not scored more than 30 points all season, and that makes me nervous because these teams' identities don't mesh well. Utah State scores and scores a lot. BYU grinds it out and doesn't score a lot. I think it's going to go to overtime. I'm going to say Whoa. whatever whatever prediction. I think they're going to meet somewhere in the middle. Uh, probably 30 to 30, you know, that seems to be the number for each of them. Uh, it's going to go to overtime, and at that point, it's really anyone's game. Home field advantage for the Cougars, they'll they'll uh, eke out a win. That's my it, prediction is an it's overtime been a really win. Good, it's been a really good series the last five or six years. I think BYU yeah. has the upper hand, like five wins to three or something, right? Or, or yeah. four to two. But even the lot, even the other games that they've all been close, good good games. Yeah. So I expect it's going to be another good game. It's on Friday night, right? So we can all enjoy yeah, our Friday night, Saturday. Yeah. Do we need to devote like twenty minutes to talking about our predictions for general conference? Let's do two minutes. But after you do the <laughs> BYU game, go. B- yeah. So, so BYU wins it overtime. Uh, there will be some BYU is going to break out the Royal Unis, which is going to be awesome. I it's, I kind of was hoping they would have broken out the away Royal helmets and pants against uh-huh. Washington, but you know they'll uh, they'll have the fans into it. They'll they'll be hyped. They'll be ready to get their conference on the next day. It's going to be dang close. Yeah, I expect a good game, and I I don't know who's going to win, but you're right. It'll probably be it'll be a good one, and we know. I mean, I'm sure BYU will be up before, but we know we know the Aggies will. They've had a bye week to prepare. And yeah. they hate both Utah and BYU, and since they don't play Utah this year, this is their their chance to make an in-state splash. So I think it's going to be a, a hyped-up game. So I, 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 one, I yeah. One, so, one thing I love this year is the when you look at the team goals. One of the team goals is to they have circled the Utah game, they have circled the Boise State game, and they have the Utah State game, and they say one of the goals is to beat our rivals. Right. So they're they're not overlooking Utah State anymore. They're saying you are a rival. And which has been the joke for the few years is the the bathroom scene where Utah State guy like stands right next to the BYU guy pee and saying we're rivals now. <laughs> we're going to acknowledge yes you're you're one of the three. We've got Utah, we got Boise State, we got Utah State, and we want to win those every year. So I hope that means our team shows up focused. And if they do, I like our chances. Any big injuries from the weekend? Uh, from this past one? Yeah, that you want players yeah. to have this week. We lost Moroni Laulu Pututau for the year, and that guy's had it tough. He tore his ACL. He had a Liz Frank injury early that in his sucks. career. I, I mean, and he's he's a baller. He's a good player. He's he's speedy. He's got. He's great a Cash hands. County guy too, right? So this would have been a big game for him, right? Yeah, I, 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 I actually don't ca- know yeah. on that. I think he's a Cash okay. County guy. Yeah, I think he's up from Hiram area. Okay, yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, 
heart breaks for him. You know, he's just had a rough yeah, go. It's reminiscent of Taysom and everything he was dealing with. And, and yeah, I mean, look, Taysom now. Hopefully, if Moroni Laulu Pututau can recover as well as Taysom did and go be Mr. Everything in the NFL, then, you know, good for him too. I don't think that. Okay, so to the Utes now. And and, and if you're yes. listening to this podcast, you just missed a 20-minute rant <laughs> that me and Benji went on about uh, about the changes happening in conference and what we'd like to see. But that's, that's for the cutting room floor. Anyway, okay, yeah. so the Utes <laughs> yes. play at Stanford. Here's the thing. Even after playing Washington State, who has a high-powered offense, and Washington the week before, who's a top-10 team, we still have the number five-ranked defense in the country. Our defense yeah. is literally one of the best defenses we've had. It's legit for every right. position. Chase Hansen has been spectacular at linebacker. Right. He's incredible. Our secondary, even though they gave up a huge play, a big gaffe, they have been, that second half, they shut down that Washington State passing attack, and our defensive line showed up. Literally every position across the board on the defense is awesome. So it will keep us in every single game the rest of the year because my yeah. opinion Washington State and Oregon, the two high, the two best offenses we'll face this year, and we it kept us in this game right here. So I think, mm-hmm. especially if Bryce Love is out, which he got injured against Notre Dame, we don't know if he's going to play. If he's mm-hmm. out, Stanford, the way they play just lines up to how Utah plays and can have success. Right. We're two and one against them since we've been in the Pac-12, um, and the, even the game we lost was last year was only a one point a one score game and so we just we just play well against Stanford their style so i think our defense is going to go in there and hold them to the teens in points so the question is can our hot and cold and when i say hot and cold i mean hot for one half can our hot mm-hmm. and cold offense show up for an entire game and score enough points to win if mm-hmm. they freaking go back to running the ball with Zach Moss and Shine and and you know a lot of Huntley uh, running you know around the edges I think we can beat Stanford. I'm optimistic we can beat Stanford. I think if we do that, we win 17-13. If we get stupid and cute and do a bunch of pass plays that our quarterback can't really hit, then I think we lose 17-13. Do you do you feel like Huntley is playing for his job at this point? He should be. He absolutely should be. I mean, he's he's halfway through his junior year, and he hasn't shown yeah. me anything to show me he's going to win the conference championship. And if you're not trying uh-huh. to win the conference championship, what the freak are you playing for anyway, right? Mm-hmm. So if if I, I think this this game, yes, he is absolutely playing for his job. If he goes out and he sucks and we lose, bring yeah. in Tuttle. I know he's not he's quote unquote the third string on the depth chart, but he is the freaking future. You don't sit yeah. a quarterback that has offers from Alabama and USC. You play him. Right. You let him right. learn. You let him go. We play Arizona the following week. Their defense is not very good. If it's the t- if it's if there's going to be a time to pull Huntley, it'll be after the Stanford game. So yeah, I think this game will determine whether whether Huntley keeps his job the rest of the year or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, similarly speaking, I guess this. Uh, I don't know how to phrase this. Is Troy Taylor coaching for his job right now? Isn't every offensive coordinator at Utah <laughs> basically yeah, yeah. coaching? That's for, why. I mean, that's why. Before I asked the question, I thought this is a stupid question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, here's the thing: is 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 I'm one of the last, and it's kind of sad to think about it. I'm one of the last true wit defenders. And mm-hmm. I'm starting to crack myself. And it's hard to say that because this man has taken us to our highest height. I mean, 13-0 yeah. and 0 beating Bama in the Sugar Bowl was higher than what Urban Meyer did. I'm not saying that right. team was better than Urban Meyer's team, but it was a better accomplishment. So he took us to our highest height. He's a good coach. He transitioned from the Mountain West to the Pac-12. I, th- I still have hope that somehow we can mm-hmm. crack the code. But at some point, dude, how, how at, after 10 coordinators and they all have the same result every year – 
when yeah. do you, I mean, it's different coordinators, different quarterbacks, different players. At what point do you finally say, you know what, this is on wit. And that's what makes it hard is he's won enough and he's, he's yeah. won enough games to where it's, I don't know, you just can't fire the guy. That's what I struggle with. But yeah. we're not winning the title, you know, and that's what it's about. If you don't want to win the championship, then what are you doing? So I, I get it because I was a Bronco apologist. I was defending Bronco all along. I love, I like him. You know, he's a great coach, good guy. Uh, he's someone I wouldn't have any hesitation telling my children to go play for. You know, I feel like as as much as he gets mocked for his football is fifth and all that, that's my approach to life, and I like it. And I love him being the one to to coach my kids. I love that he rewards hard work. I love that he he expects his people to show up. But a lot of the fan base was uh, growing weary of just nine wins after nine wins after nine wins year after year after year. And, you know, we found out, okay, Kalani comes in first year, a lot of fireworks. Hey, great, we're going to be fine. And the next year lays an egg. And so it's it's a risk. See, that's what I'm worried about is is honestly, there's there's a better chance we hire somebody and take a step back than hire somebody and, and take the next step because there's yeah. a bigger a bigger area there to play with. I mean, Witt's won in his last four years in the Pac-12. He won eight, nine, ten and then seven games, you know, for an average of like mm-hmm. eight and a half, nine wins a, a year. And granted, yeah. his Pac-12 record's not great, but he wins games for the most part. Um, you know, we, he doesn't lose to terrible teams. He'll beat the terrible teams. He'll lose a game yeah. or two we should have freaking won. Um, that we, and, and But then he'll also win a game or two we shouldn't have won. And so yeah. overall, his record's pretty good. So, But it's, it's like that thing. Have you ever read the book Good to Great? No, but but I think I know the idea. The premise is good is the enemy to great. That's how the book starts because people right. get in a mode where things are going good and they're comfortable so they don't take it yeah. to the next level. So they analyze all these businesses that failed because they were comfortable with being good. And I'm right. afraid that's where we are with Kyle Whittingham is we're comfortable being good. But then by the same token, we could take that chance to be great and then you look at freaking Colorado, they had two decades of suckitude because they just couldn't get the right coach. You look at Utah basketball. We freaking were dominating for decades. Mm -hmm. We have Rick Majerus, and then boom, we we make some bad hires with Jacoletti and Boylan. In 15 years, we've been to to like four tournaments, you know? We used to go every single year, and not only go every year, we'd be a top five seed every year, and so there's always that risk, and maybe that's what scares me, is I'm afraid if we do let Wick go, who is genuinely a good guy, who has genuinely given us the the best that we've had, there's the chance mm. that we get worse and be like, dang it, that sucks. But there's the same token, we're not we're not reaching our peak, and I think we can. Yeah. So that's why I keep hoping. I'm keep hoping, okay, this coordinator is gonna be the one to fix it. This quarterback's gonna be the one to fix it. Okay, Witt's gonna make the changes because he's f- freaking figured out defense every year. So now he's gotta yeah. do his figured offense, and boom, here we are, champs, but we can't do it. Here's, so here's where I would be a little disappointed. So you go back again, throwing it back to your Mountain West mentality. Back in the days when TCU, BYU, Utah are all Mountain West, the Vegas Bowl would take number one team from the Mountain West, and they'd pit him against a team from the Pac ten. There was uh-huh. something like four or five, right? Like uh-huh. a middle, they qualified for a bowl, but they're not great. They're kind of an yeah, average Pac-10 team. And those quite often produced pretty good games. You know, I remember BYU destroyed Oregon one year uh-huh. and then lost to Cal one year, you know. So it's not, I feel like that best Mountain West is as good as average Pac-10 was pretty accurate. And so you take someone and say, okay, let's do this great experiment and take a best Mountain West and throw them in and call it the Pac-12 and see how they do. The expectation would be, average 
Now, and he's he's been about average, you know, and you, when you consider all 12 teams, he's been about there. So you'd say, okay, he's doing what he was expected to do. However, you look at who he's doing that with, he's not doing that with Mountain West players. He's got much better recruits. So when you look at the numbers and you look at the players, the expectation would be, no, you take a brilliant Mountain West coach and you give him better people, he should be better than average. And he so should. that, okay. if I were Utah fan, that's where my discontent would come from is he Absolutely. has more now he should be doing more Absolutely but if you subscribe to recruiting rankings he's finishing right where he's recruiting we're we're finishing 5th or 6th in recruiting rankings every year 5th 6th or 7th in the Pac-12 yeah. and so that's where we're finishing also in the standings and so yes our talent's better than what it was in the Mountain West but it's still uh-huh. not top shelf Pac-12 talent if I'm being honest so he went and, from and really the, honestly where where the problem is is top shelf freaking offensive quarterback play again yeah and, yeah. and receiver play year over year those are our problems and it's still the problems again you, you could say then he went from being somebody who got way more out of his recruits than he should have to somebody who's getting exactly out of his recruits yeah, what he should have. I would say that's Somehow a very he good. lost the ability to to get that. And of course, the closer to the top you get, the harder it is to stay at the top. It is. Which is, this blows my mind. I looked really deeply at these numbers a few years ago. Les Miles was the best. He and Bob Stoops were the best at that because they recruited in the top 10 and they finished in the top 10. And when you're recruiting in the top 10, there's nowhere to go but down. Uh-huh. But they still finished up there. And so when you look at all these other Ohio State, Alabama, they're recruiting number one. And, you know, so anything less than one is going to be a disappointment. Yeah, and gosh, so, dude. Well, I, I swear I was supposed to be born in Alabama. I'm an SEC fan living in the wrong yeah. place, man. My dad <laughs> missed some prompting for a job interview back before I was born in Alabama because how lucky are those pieces of crap? Oh, yeah, they, freaking number one every year competing for a national title every year. I hate them. It's it's all you're, – you're a – expectations everything's adjusted i'll compare it to this we're gonna make more and more analogies here because i i had a coworker who's an alabama fan from alabama and for them a, a loss is as devastating as like this whole season has been for you you know <laughs> yeah. and and not winning the national championship is a little bit of a letdown so the expectations are just shifted and so i compare it to on social media the scientists the psychologists will tell you when you're starting out on social media and you you come up with a funny tweet and you get like four likes on it well when you're brand new you're like hey four people think i'm awesome and that makes <laughs> you happy inside like it really does a thing in your brain That's you get a little weird. dopamine kick but then the the more like the bigger you get on twitter Twitter, the more and more followers you get, that doesn't do it for you anymore. You know, you get your first tweet where it's like a hundred people liked it, and that maybe feels good. You're like, whoa, a lot of people think I'm cool. But then that becomes the expectation, and when it doesn't happen, it's more of a letdown. It takes more and more to get you to feel good about yourself, and that's what's hard about it because the the thing that they don't tell you. Way back when I was new on Twitter and, and nobody knew me because my house hadn't burned down yet and I wasn't that funny. And again, only I think I'm really funny and other people don't really. But back then, I would look at these big accounts and be like, whoa, man, all they have to do say is something generic like, whoa, Utah showed up tonight, go with them. And then you, they get all these likes. I'm like, that's stupid. Anybody could have said that. But they got 60 <laughs> people liking them. And so you'd be from the outside looking in saying, like, they're not that great. But then what you don't realize, because I have a little, I have some more followers now, no matter what you say, if it's thrown out there for a lot more people to see, some guy, some idiot is going to feel inclined to respond and tell you why you suck. And you get that <laughs> over and over and over again. And you don't see that when you look at the big accounts. It's harder. Like, Dude. it's easy to sit back and be like, four people like my tweet and like have a good time. It's harder to have a good time when more people know you. 
Dude, it's a, that is a really good analogy because uh, oh, three years ago when I was at the peak of my like trolling, you know, I had yeah. tw- I had a couple thousand followers and I would just nonstop throw barrage a uh, barrage whatever of of assaults. I can't I can't, yeah. can't speak. I would nonstop tweet <laughs> smack talk to BYU fans and I got in so many fights because you're right, yeah. so many people see it. And nowadays I've chilled out a little bit. I don't really tweet about anyone else but Utah and my satisfaction's a lot better actually to be honest yeah, to be yeah. on Twitter. Um but it's it's funny. I don't know. That's that was kind of a pointless thought. But anyway, <laughs> no, no, it's good. It's all good. I'm just saying. It seems like it would be good to be an Alabama fan, but you would just adjust your expectations when you see them lose a national championship. You'd be like, well, this year was worthless. You know. I mean, yeah. it's, it's totally. I guess I'll just freaking look at my other nine freaking trophies. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Gosh. Oh well. Say lovey. All yeah. right, bro. Well, let's let's wrap this baby up. We've been rambling for an hour, which we're going to cut out probably twenty good. minutes yeah. of our our political <laughs> stuff. <laughs> yeah, some of our sometimes Jake and I share some very very personal, deeply personal things that are not <laughs> suitable for public consumption. You know, that that so, really went that went from Utah State to like almost us weeping together over judicial laws. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us. Tune in next week when we'll, we talk some more. <laughs> yes, Go sir. Ho- hopefully it'll be a little, a little more focused on football next week. So, yeah. All right, man. Go Utes. Go Cougars.